It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on the Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be looking forward to the basketball season and talking about a tough loss for the football team. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest today is Syracuse.com's Chris Carlson. Chris, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Oh, uh, thanks for having me, Wes. I always enjoy it. And Chris, I want to get you started on this one. The basketball season is under a month away, and one of the biggest questions is Daywan Coleman's knee. How has he looked so far in practices? I think it's something that we need to kind of monitor and, and be wary of all year. The knee surgery that he had, uh, the oath procedure is a really tough one, but uh, no red flags so far. Uh, he's practiced every day. He looks really good running. Um, he doesn't look tentative. Uh, he's never been a particularly explosive guy, uh, so, so, so that hasn't changed. Um, but it's not like he's lost a lot. So, uh, you know, right now, nothing but optimism about him. Um, but, you know, it, it's something that you're going to have to worry about for the long haul, and, and you probably should always be on the corner of your, corner of your thoughts. Now, Chris, reports today are that Michael Benajay and not Caleb Joseph will be the starting point guard this season. Is that more of a reflection of Benajay's abilities or Joseph's deficiencies? Probably both. I mean, I mean you know, the, Caleb started – the year last year and went through the whole season as the point guard because Syracuse wanted him to play the point guard. Uh, he never quite got there. Um, but we, we saw Mike Benege, uh was the guy in crunch time that Syracuse left, used last year. He did it very effectively. He played very well. Um, there's, no real, there's no reason to think that he won't be able to repeat that performance. Um, and he was very good there. So, so uh, I think a combination of the two um, – is probably the truth. It's not like Caleb Joseph has been bad, but he's not as good as Mike Benajay right there. And uh, Jim Beheim has a, a greater comfort level with Mike Benajay at the point. So now you take Joseph out of the lineup, you move Benajay into that point guard spot, which obviously opens up one of the wing positions. I've heard great things about Tyler Lydon, and then Malachi Richardson is also a guy that can move into that slot. Who do you see really filling that slot, Chris? Yeah, I, I think for, for most of the, the preseason, with, we've seen Benajay running the point, and that's been the thought is who's going to take the wing, Leiden or Malachi, uh, which one of these freshmen. I've thought Leiden has been better uh, for most of practice, but today was the first one that I thought Richardson had a better practice than Leiden did. Um, and I also think that they like – they like Lydon coming off the bench, I think, a little bit more because he's very versatile. He can come in at the four. He can come in at the three. Uh, if you need to, you can put him at the five, although I don't think they want to have to do that. So he kind of lets you do some more things off the bench than Richardson does. So I think that's what you're going to see. But uh, it could be either one of those two guys, and they both look very good right now. They both look very promising. They don't look like freshmen in practice. And one of the more intriguing players in the roster moving to the other forward spot is Tyler Roberson. We all know he's a tremendous athlete, but has he done anything in the offseason to become more of a consistent offensive weapon? I don't think that you're going to get a consistent offensive game from, from Tyler Roberson. Uh, his left hand is better. Uh, last year, you could tell it was his bad hand. This year, during drills, he, he looks far more comfortable with it. Um, his jumper is a little bit better, but, but it's not going to be the team's top option. I still think he's a player that, that does his work on the boards, rebounds, and then just tries to kind of uh, take advantage of double teams and put backs and, and, you know, 
just the easy offense that we saw him get last year, I don't think that's going to change much. Um, he's a better player, but I, I don't really see Syracuse using him differently, and I don't think his numbers increase you know, significantly. You know, one guy whose numbers increased significantly last year was Rakeem Christmas. Now he's obviously gone. You're taking away an essential 20 points and 10 rebounds. Who fills that void? Is it Benege? Is it Cooney? Who's going to fill in that offensive void, Chris? You know, it, it, it always sounds like a very cliche answer, so I, I'm channeling my inner basketball coach here. But I, I do think it, it is a group effort. Um, I, I think Benege's total goes up a little bit. I think Cooney's total goes up a little bit. I think Leiden and Richardson are both going to be able to score right away. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe uh, Roberson gets an extra bucket or two a game, and Daywan Coleman comes back and, and is going to fill, you know, a, a good chunk of those numbers. He's not Rakeem Christmas. Um, he doesn't have a polished offensive game right now, but he's still a great athlete for, for that position. Um, you know, similar to a lot of the players Syracuse has used there in the past. Um, so, you know, nobody's numbers, I don't think, are, are, are going to – nobody's going to have the huge improvement, I think, that Rakeem Christmas showed last year. I, I think you're going to get much more marginal improvements from everybody on the roster, and there's fewer weak spots than you saw last year. So, so that's what Syracuse is banking on, more of a kind of a complete team this year. Chris, I love, love, love your story on Trevor Cooney a couple weeks ago where you talked about his work ethic and how he got to Syracuse and how he had to work through an injury last year. What what was it that you enjoyed writing most about that article? And uh, you kind of touched on it. It seems like you think he'll make some improvements, but do you think he's going to play less in kind of a less is more situation here? You know, I don't know if he's if he plays less, it's going to be because Tyler Lydon and Malachi Richardson are really good and he can afford to play less. Um, and I think that's probably the case. I think he'll play a few less minutes per game. Um, but I, I actually am Jim Beheim's camp that, that, that minutes played during games don't matter a ton over the long haul. There are so many breaks that I think he can play 30, 32 minutes and be fine. Um, but what, what Cooney has done is he doesn't take days off in practice to then recover from, you know, all the game minutes he's played. So he needs to do a better job managing kind of his practice and his routine and his daily life. And he has almost a compulsive need to work because that's what he, that's why he thinks he's good. And he had, kind of has to get over that mental hurdle where he attributes all his success to the work he did the day before. It's not what he did the day before that's going to make him successful. It's 23 years of work that, that he's put in. Um, but it is a strange mental you know, mental switch that he has to flip this year. Chris, we'll get you out of here on this one. What type of season do you predict the team having? Is this a Syracuse team that's a middle-of-the-pack ACC team, or do you see them really improving and potentially making an NCAA run this year? I think they're going to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think they're they're capable of winning a game or two in that tournament. Um, they're going to be. I think they're going to be improved from last year. Uh, they're going to be a lot more fun to watch. They're going to shoot a lot of threes. I think um, they're going to spread the floor and be more of that. Uh, you know the way the way the NBA is going, the way analytics are saying it, it shoot a lot of three pointers, layups, and threes. Um, and I think Syracuse is going to progress toward that type of offense this year. I don't think they have a star, which I think keeps them from, from maybe becoming an elite team. But I think they're an upper half ACC team, and I think they're going to, you know, as long as Daywan Coleman stays healthy, that's the key. You know, I, I think Syracuse is going to make pretty good strides from last year. 
Chris, thanks so much for coming on again. Chris Carlson from Syracuse.com. It's great to talk to you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Wes. Appreciate it. Really enjoyed speaking with my old friend, Chris Carlson. And I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online editor-in-chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I'm doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad, Syracuse with a brutal 45-24 to loss to USF over the weekend. It really seems like the defensive secondary got exposed in this game by a mobile quarterback. It's a young secondary. You know, the nine top players for the Orange in the cornerback and safety positions, there's only one senior, Julian Wiggum. There's only one fresh uh, junior. The rest are sophomores, redshirt sophomores, redshirt freshmen, or even true freshmen, as in the case of Kellen Whitner. And that young unit has had its problems in all five games so far this season, even though Syracuse has won three of those five. And they're going to have to tighten up play because they're going to see great quarterbacks starting right away with a, a, an experienced one in Virginia's Johns on Saturday and the rest of the way in the ACC. So, the secondary is going to have to tighten up its play the rest of the way. Brad, a couple of weeks ago, Syracuse really developed a lot of goodwill among the fan base. They really hung tight with number eight LSU and Heisman front where Leonard Fournette. Do you think that goodwill is gone after this loss? Well, maybe just a little bit. You know, it's still a long season. There's seven games left to play. And for Syracuse, they're 1-0 in the ACC. So they have all the goals from a conference standpoint still left to play. But when you look at the reputation nationally, yes, it certainly took a hit losing to a team out of the Power Five in South Florida. But there's still plenty of football left to play. And there are very few dominant teams on the national landscape when you look at the top 25. It truly is a case where in most situations, either team could win a game, even if a team's one, two, three touchdown favorites. There's that much parity, that much mediocrity in college football. So in Syracuse's cases, case, certainly uh, a little bit of the uh, tarnish uh, was lost in the loss to South Florida. But let's see what happens as they go back into ACC play the rest of the way and go against a lot of teams in which they're pretty evenly matched. What did you think of Eric Dungy in his first game back from the concussion? Brett, I thought looking at the first half, it looked like the play calling was a little bit too conservative before they really let Dungy go in the second half and as a result, better offense. I agree, Wes. You know, boy, I wish there'd be a game coming up soon where Syracuse would do what South Florida did on the first play last week, throw the long pass. At least that kind of, you know, opens up the defense, gets them thinking a little bit more, sets up the run. Yeah, I can understand being a little conservative with Dungy coming back after missing uh, the LSU game. But boy, it really goes back to the philosophy of Syracuse football. We've seen it going back even to Coach Days, Coach P. Doug Marone and now Scott Schaefer, run-oriented offense, more of a traditional type of approach. But, boy, I really wish Syracuse would open it up a little bit more, as they did in the second half against South Florida. Brad, it's a critical game for the Orange this weekend at Virginia. The early odds have Syracuse as an 8.5-point underdog. You'll be there for the game. Do you think Syracuse pulls this one out? Well, I think they have a shot, but I'm going to go back to my preseason prediction, and I don't think they'll win the game. Virginia's played a lot of great teams in Notre Dame, UCLA, Boise State, and even Pitt last week on the road to open up the ACC. They're a decent team that just played a lot of better teams ranked in the top 25, and they have a lot of senior players in key positions, quarterback, wide receiver, and the secondary. I think this is a kind of game, too, Wes. Virginia's looking at it saying, 
this is a game we should win against the Syracuse. And I think at home, Virginia will pull this out. And Syracuse will come home to face Pitt and really have to start, you know, looking within themselves to get the wins needed to get to a bowl game. Brad, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. What a change in atmosphere in college football, Wes. Look at the coaches already gone in midseason. USC, Maryland. It's all the big money ruling and so many other voices now, not just college athletic departments and administrations, all the outside influences, the apparel makers, the big boosters. It's really changed the way the atmosphere has gone in college football when it comes to coaching, making it almost like the pros with coaches getting dismissed in midseason. And I also think it will be very interesting now to see as Mark Coyle uh, evaluate Scott Schaefer this year with what he's seen going on nationally as to whether or not there'd be any movement towards a coaching change or not, of course, depending how the rest of the season pans out. And you even left out the old ball coach, Steve Spurrier, who just recently resigned and retired from South Carolina. That's another big coaching change. And I also part of this new movement where he knew he wasn't there ready uh, to do the job anymore, leave now instead of waiting for the end of the season. Brad, my closing thoughts are on Syracuse forward Michael Benajay, who is one of 20 players named to the Julius Irving Award for best small forward in the country. Brad, I just see him having a monster senior season, much like Rakeem Christmas did last year. Agreed, Wes, and I can't believe he wasn't recently named uh, one of the top 100 college players in the country. That certainly baffled me. It's not where you begin, it's where you end. That's it for us. For Brad Bierman, this is Wes Chang reminding you and asking you that when cheese gets its picture taken, what does it say? You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV podcast network. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.